This is the Commission Church Online. Welcome to our podcast. We want to be a church who brings heaven on earth through the word of God and the love of Christ. I pray this week's message blesses you. Today, I want to speak about worship. I want to speak about worship today. Um, but before I get into any of that, I just want to take a second to uh, thank Pastor Ashish and uh, Pastor Sonia for giving me the opportunity to speak here and uh, serve here. And man, it's, a, it's an amazing time to be able to uh, just preach the word of God this morning. Um, I want to speak on the heart of worship. Uh, I don't want to delay any further on that. I just, I, I want that to be the 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 big umbrella that we that we listen to the word today is the heart of worship um recently i would say about a month ago if that counts as recently one of my friends was writing a paper on religions and world religions and he chose christianity and since he knows me he asked he was supposed to um interview somebody of the faith and i was the one that he chose so he he gives me a bunch of questions about my religion and what i believe my values and practices and stuff like that um, and it made me really think uh, about everything that I believe. And um, not in a bad way, but a very uh, just reflective way. Um, and so one of the questions he asked me is, is as he's writing down, he says, um, what are some practices that you believe in your, in your, in your faith? What are some values and, and things you hold dear um, with your faith? And so my first answer was, uh, well, prayer. Prayer is a valuable thing for me. I pray every day, and that's how I commune with the Lord. That's how I talk to the Lord, hear from the Lord. Um, I, can't, I can't go out a, a week, I can't go a day without praying or talking to the Lord. Um, and, and so that was, that was a pretty simple one. And so he, that, when he asked me my why, is I, I said just that. Like, that's how I um, hear from the Lord. That's how I receive uh, spiritual guidance. That's how I, that's how I commune. That's how I, I live my life. It's in my lifestyle. And uh, I had mentioned I had two. And he says, okay, well, what was the second one? And the second one, I said, oh, well, worship is one of my values, one of my practices. Um, I love to worship. And then he asked me the question. He says, Why? Why? And, it's, and, and I had to take a step back because I'm so used to, well, uh, it's so easy to get into the trap of, I worship because I'm, I, I get to serve at a church that worships, you know? And, and then I really thought about it for a second. I was like, why? Why do we worship? What is the point of, of worship? And then he asked me this, he, just to kind of get a little bit more clarity on it. And he says, he says okay, let me put it th- this way. Like, what do, you, what do you get out of it? What do you get out of worship? And, and I'm not used to answering, sorry, I'm not used to answering a whole like, well, what do I get out of worship? You, you know, like, we, as we know, worship is onto God. It's not really for us. It's, it's the, the preaching of the word is for us, but worship is not for us. It's for God. And so I, I explained that. But what the, the reason why I'm bringing that up is I want us to, to focus on the why this morning. The why. Why we just did what we just did here. The why. The why behind it. That, when we find the why, is when we find the heart of worship, if we can put that up. The heart of worship. The heart is what keeps things beating. It's what, it's, it's, it's what connects all, it's what connects things together and it keeps things moving. If you don't have a why for what you're doing, you're gonna, you can get really good at it, but only for short term. Only for short term. If you don't have a why, you, you, may, you may last a few weeks, you may last a, a few months, but in the long term of your life, you're, if you forget your why, you, you can't go anywhere with that. You'll stop moving. Why is our fuel? Why is our engine? 
the heart of worship, that's our engine. There's an enemy that comes against the church, and it's, it's the, the, the spirit of familiarity. Spirit of familiarity. And what that, what, if I can explain that real quick, it is many of you can come into a service, and it's very easy to be like, okay, we'll have worship, and then we'll have word, and then we'll have one of the worship set after that, and then we'll all be dismissed, and we'll do it all over again for second service, and it's super easy to get into that temptation of, I already know what's going to happen. I already know what's going to happen, and if you don't understand the why, I say this again, if you don't understand the why, it will be so mundane to you, it will be so routine to you, and you won't understand exactly what you're doing, and it will be very robotic. Raise my hands in the, in the high parts, and then put them down in the low parts, <laughs> sit down whenever this and that, and it's so easy. We understand this language, right? You, you know, like, okay, well, everyone, everyone uh, we're going to pray, so right here. And, but it's, it's, it's just robotic at, th- at this point. We can get so robotic at this point, and, and, and we forget the heart, the why am I doing this, the why. See, in heaven... All we'll be doing is worshiping. All we're doing is worshiping. If you don't like worshiping now, you're really, really not going to like heaven. (laughs) We love to worship here, but in heaven, that's what it is. Standing before God is worship. In heaven, when we're in heaven, we're just, just looking at him and beholding him. That is what heaven is about. That is, that is worship. We're commanded to worship throughout the, uh, throughout the scriptures. If you read through the Psalms, you'll, you know. If you know Psalms, you know we're commanded to, to, to express expressions of worship. Um, so I, want, I, I, I was looking at the definitions of worship just in preparation of this message, and I, I just type on Google search. You're not going to find this in Leviticus or anything. But worship, and, and, and it's going to be up on the screen, uh, the first definition I found was the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. Okay, I was like, okay, that's, a, that's pretty you know, general, general one. We have another one. Adoration or devotion comparable to religious homage shown toward a person or principle. So the key word here is adoration and devotion. Those, those, those were the main words that I was finding um, to describe worship whenever I, I was looking up on Google, just worship. What's a good, you know, vague, general, general thing? And it says shown toward a person. Well, of course we know... We're on, our worship is onto Jesus, it's onto Christ. Um, and so what this definition got me thinking of is, okay, well, how, how does the Bible translate the definition? Like, what does the Bible say about worship? Um, and the first thing that I knew 100% what worship is, and we can put it up on the screen, is worship is a heart posture. Before it is anything else, before it's raising your hands, before it's clapping your hands, before it's singing, before it's doing this or doing that, worship comes from the heart. Worship comes from the heart. The heart, your expression, if you, and, and, and before I continue, I would encourage you, if you're not writing notes, I would encourage you to write notes. Um, if it wasn't for people that take notes, we would have nothing in our textbooks. We'd have nothing about any history about the world. We wouldn't know anything. Uh, note takers are, are history makers is what I've heard. So um, just encourage you to write notes. But if you will, write that down. Worship is a heart posture. Worship is a heart posture. And, and I looked up the definition of posture as well. I was just really trying to, to, to dig into like the, the, the vocabulary of it. And what I, what I got was po- uh, posture is a particular way of dealing with or considering something, keyword here, an approach or attitude. I'll read that again. A particular way of dealing with or considering something, 
an approach or attitude. And I would ask you this morning, what is our approach to God? What is our, what is our attitude in a, in a worship moment? Those are key things. And if we don't have our heart posture in the right place, there's, there's no guidance for our expression. There's no guidance for what we do. There's no why. There's, there's no pureness to, to what we do whenever we enter a worship setting. Um, you see, in the old covenant, people could not approach God. We, we've gotten so used to just being able to come to church and say, oh, God is here. Yeah, but in the old covenant, that wasn't a thing. God had to choose the people he dwelt among. And, and we know from scripture that he chose to dwell among a, a, a box uh, known as the Ark of the Covenant. And this is where he chose to, to place his presence in so that he may dwell with his people. And this box was, in, was, was inside a, a huge uh, structure, tent type deal, and it was called the, the, the tabernacle. And inside the tabernacle, in the most inner part of the tabernacle, was a place called the Holy of Holies. And this is where God um, uh, uh, d- desired to have the Ark of the Covenant inside. And it was the only thing lighting this room. And it was, it was, no one could enter into this place. And priests were only entered aloud in, in once a year. And you could not go into that place. It was, it, it was, it was too holy, too holy to be able to enter in because of the sins of people and, and, and everything that, that, that humanity had, had, you know, from the curse and everything of the fallen man, there was no way to be in the presence of God. You could be among the presence of God, but to be in the presence of God, it was something you would not, you cannot survive. It's too pure. And, and we have become those, those, you know, snobby rich kids who are like, oh, you guys don't have a maid at your house? What? Like, because we got so used to it and we don't know what we had. We don't know where we came from as far because that, that is, what, that is what, what Paul talks about in scriptures where he, where he says there's a mystery, there's a, there's a he, he, he reads, he does this, this, this verbiage of there's a mystery and there's a mystery and he's talking to, he's, he, he's saying that, that, that Gentiles now have access to, to, to God. We now have access to God. And, and the reason why that was so important is because they didn't before. And we now have access to God through Jesus, through his sacrifice, and, 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 and that, if anything, that's a reason to worship. We worship because we have access. We have access, and we can lift our hands, we can shout, we can think, thank you, Jesus, I have access to you. I don't have to provide an animal sacrifice. It is, it is because of what your son did. Thank you, Jesus. We worship because of what Jesus did, because of who God is. And, and, and speaking of, of, of tabernacle, you know, we see in, in Exodus uh, chapter 25 verse through 31, uh, God gives a list of, a long list of instructions of how he wants his, his tabernacle built, everything, like there's specific types of wood he wants, colored linen, all this stuff. He, he makes sure that it's, it's, it's exactly the way he wants it. And what we notice in scripture, of course, it's a, there's a ton of symbolism that goes into this, but the big thing is that God was making himself at home. God was making sure everything that was in place was to prepare mankind to approach him. See, mankind wasn't preparing themselves or ourselves to approach God. God set the standard and he said, this is, what, this is exactly what you need to do. And you can go and read through it yourself. It's a long, boring list, but it's, it's, it's detailed because God has that standard. And that was the way he prepared mankind to approach him. 
God has his, his ideal way of being approached, his attitude approach, uh, to the, the attitude he wants. And this is why our heart posture is so important because now we don't have a tabernacle. Now we don't have the Ark of the Covenant. Now the Ark of the Covenant lives here. Holy Spirit is in here and we get to work. How much better can that be that God lives in us? God is working in us and he's for us. When the Ark of the Covenant was in Obed-Edom's house, everything was blessed just because God was in the house. How much more would he bless you just as he's living in you? Living in you and working to do the, the things that please God. I want us to switch, uh, to, to, to move forward. or Let's go to John chapter four. If you would turn with me or swipe with me. Let's go to John chapter four and we're gonna read really quick and we're gonna read here at, at uh, verse 23. Say amen when you're there. Amen. And so uh, just to kind of preface, so this is, uh, this is when Jesus, he's meeting with a, a woman at the well, and I'm sure you guys have, uh, most of you have heard this story where she's at the well and, and Jesus low-key like exposes her and this and that. And so she tries to like, she tries to divert the conversation to, to something else. And she's talking about, uh, she says here in verse 19, sorry, uh, says, the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mount, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And so she, she's kind of like in this place where like, very into the routine, you know, she's used to, it's either on this mountain or here, but God, where, do you, where are we supposed to worship? And she's thinking place, physical place. And, and, and this, is where, this is where it picks up. Um, so let, let's actually start at verse, at verse uh, 21. It says, Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Wow. Verse 22 says, you worship what you do not know we worship what we know for salvation is coming from, uh, from the Jews. Verse 23, here we go. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And we, we, you know, we've heard this, this, this many times before. But what Jesus is addressing to this woman is it's not the place. It's not how you're doing it. It's a place of truth. Is your heart aligned with God? Is your heart aligned with the will of God? Is, is your heart in tune with him? Is your heart redeemed by him? And, and this is what, he, what, 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 what he's addressing here is it's not a place. It's not a routine. It's not we come here on a 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and then we worship and then we do this. It's, it's where is your heart coming from? See, your expression of worship is always going to flow from your heart posture. Always gonna flow from your heart posture. And Jesus is, is, is speaking on this and he says to worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth. Truth. How much more true can you get than having the truth live inside of you, than feeding it to yourself every day? This is what we, we have to do as believers is, is, is understand that, that we, get to, uh, we get to worship in truth because of the way that Jesus has already made. And I, I, want, to, I want to make sure that I'm covering all my corners with this is that Although there are things, like as, as this woman was talking about, just worshiping on the mountain, or we worship here, we worship in Jerusalem, 
there are moments in our lives where we do get caught up in that as well, but not just in placement, but also in things around us, things going on around us. Maybe, you, maybe you've came into to a service and worship starts and you don't feel like worshiping. And if you say you haven't been there, you're probably lying. I've been there. But you don't feel like worshiping, you don't feel like raising your hands, you don't feel like singing out, you don't feel like, like whatever it is, and, and there may be some very valid reasons to that. And, and, you know, there's a lot of things that go on through our daily lives and things that are, that are heavy on us, things that are weighing us down. Maybe it's just tiredness and we feel tired. And these are, these are all valid reasons. But I will say this, and I say this with love, with love, that is not an excuse. It's not an excuse to not give God the glory that he deserves. Is not an excuse to not give God the glory. And, and I'm not saying that you can only give God glory with expressions of worship, but I will say this, that the Bible does mention many types of expressions of worship. And raising your hands and, and doing something to show God is an expression of worship. Even praying during a worship, worship moment or singing or giving your heart to him in that moment, it's worship. And, and Paul and Silas, they, they, they prayed and they, they worshiped in prison. David danced before the Lord in front of the whole nation before the Lord, looking like a fool, but he did it because it was the glory that he knew was due to his king. Nation, in front of a nation, the king. I don't know if you know this, but jesters were the ones that would walk in in front of the king, and their whole point of their whole reason why they were, were, were they jesters, jokers, jesters? They would, they would dress up and they would look ridiculous in front of the king when the king walked into a, to a city. And their whole job description was to look as stupid as possible. Why? Because it was, to, it was the contrast of if I can look as dumb and ridiculous as possible, the king that's entering in will look even much more. But it was all to show a perspective and a contrast of this king is so huge. And it was all matter of, of the jester's point was to, was to look ridiculous, to magnify just how awesome the king was that was entering in. And this is what David would did whenever, whenever he was dancing before the Lord. It doesn't matter what his position was, what his, what his position as a king was. It was to give God the glory due to him. Daniel prayed in the lion's den, surrounded by lions that were, you know, meant to eat him, and he prayed. And I say all this because there are, yes, there are many, many, many things that come against us, but there's always a reason to praise, always a reason. There's a song called, and it literally just says that the whole time, I've still got a reason to praise. No matter what it is that comes against me, I still have a reason to praise, there's many things, many, many things, but God deserves his glory. God deserves his glory. And, and I want to say this, and it, I really want to emphasize this. Don't ever waste a trial. Don't ever waste a trial to worship God. You see, here on earth is our one and only time that we get to worship through pain. We get to worship through pain. See, in heaven... There is, that pain is not there, and it's just freely worship. But here on earth, we get to worship through pain. Through the trials, through the valleys, through the fire, we get to. Don't ever waste a trial. 
And I don't know what it could be that, that, that some of you may be going through. Maybe it's just a heaviness. Maybe it's, it's anxiety or depression. Maybe you have trouble falling asleep. Um, maybe you're, you have fear of the future. But whatever it is, don't waste your season. Don't waste your season. God will meet you in that season. But give him the glory due to him because he deserves it. He deserves your, he deserves your, your magnification of him. When we worship through when we worship in the midst of tragedy and brokenness and hurt and loss and confusion, that is that pure posture of worship before the Lord. It flows from that heart posture. I want us to continue on. Uh, worship is a response. Worship is a response. And I, I, wanna, I wanna preface by saying this, I will die on this hill, don't argue with me after service. Uh, how many of you have iPhone? iPhone users, iPhone users. Anyone use Facebook Messenger, Instagram Messenger? Yeah, yeah. Um, if you know, if you're familiar with the features at all, you know if you hold down on the message and you give a thumbs up, you give a heart, you give a ex, like exclamation point, you can react to the message. Um, I will die on the hill. That is not a response. You, if I text you something and you give me a thumbs up and you expect me to say something afterwards, I'm not going to say it. I will hold to it. I will downhill. You cannot respond to me with that. That is you reacting to it, but I'm not going to. What do I say? <laughs> I'm like, uh, what, do you, what response do you do to this? Like, oh, yeah, that's, well, nice weather. No, you can't, you can't do that. Um, and I say all this to say that you can react to something without responding to it. I'll say that again. You can react to something without responding to it. And, and we see this a lot of times in, in, in service, um, in whatever church setting you go. There, there, there's, there's moments where, especially in moments where, where, where the worship is going in a certain direction because they've heard from the Lord, and there's, there's, there's spontaneous flowing of, of thanksgiving and praise and adoration, and, and there, it, it, it's easy to fall into this temptation to simply react to everything. And watch, what's the worship team doing? The words, the words are not on the screen. What do I say? What do I do? And, and, and it's so easy to just react. And I would encourage you, those are the perfect moments to, instead of just simply reacting, although reacting isn't bad, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that's a perfect opportunity for you to react and respond. Give a response to the Lord in those moments. Whenever there's no words on the screen and, 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 and the worship leaders are, are going into some type of exhortation in the moment and the, and the band is, is flowing and, we're, and the Holy Spirit is moving, those are the moments where you get to engage with the present spirit. God is a present God. He's a present God. Present. He's not, he's not the God of last week. He's not the God of... of Five minutes from now, like, oh, yes, he is, but like now, God is moving now, speaking now. And he does that in, in, in moments of, of worship, when, whenever, whenever we're worshiping and there's spontaneous moments and, and things are, 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 are moving presently, we get to respond. God isn't looking for a reaction. He's looking for a response from you. Spontaneous worship is not anything new either, and, and I, I want like I, I want to give us some examples. We see it in Exodus chapter fifteen. Uh, after after the Israelites, they they moved, they 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 got out of Egypt, and they were they were being chased by the army of Pharaoh, and they crossed the Red Sea. And you see in chapter fifteen, they break out into a spontaneous song. It's so long, and they're just worshiping God. Why? Because they just experience a breakthrough, a deliverance, and the and Pharaoh's army was wiped away by the river, and, and, and they're free. 
and they're safe and they lift up this shout of praise and they start magnifying the Lord. They didn't plan that. They weren't like worrying about where they were gonna get their food and such and then they're like, oh, I think after we escape, they didn't even know they were gonna escape. They didn't even know they were gonna cross a Red Sea. But afterwards, they broke out into this spontaneous moment where it was the spirit of God that influenced and it just, God, thank you. Thank you that you've delivered us. Simon in the temple in Luke chapter two, upon hearing about the, the, the birth of Jesus, he breaks onto a spontaneous praise moment and he, and he worships God. He thinks he sends up a prayer to him and, and, and he, he, was, he had a word given to him that he would not die until he saw the birth of Jesus, that, that, that he, he would live at the same time at the birth of Jesus before he died. And he lifts up this spontaneous, uh, this spontaneous praise, spontaneous worship. Israel breaks down to a spontaneous song in, in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 42. And it's in response to hearing, keyword response, to hearing the coming of the chosen servant of, of the Lord, which we know is Jesus. And they break out into this song like, wow. And it's a, re- it's a, it's a reaction, but it's a response. And it's not, it's so, so, I want, to, I want to really hone in onto this. So there's many, there's many examples of, of spontaneous worship that happens, and I want us to hone in on one word. There's many words. There's seven words, actually, in the Hebrew that mean praise. There's uh, yada, barak, and there's also this one word, and, it, and it's, 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 it will put it up on the screen, tehillah. Tehillah. And this word is seen throughout scripture, and it, what it's talking about is the song of praise, most importantly meaning a new song from the heart. That's why it's so important to have your heart posture, right? A new song from the heart. And we see, we see this, and I'll give, you, I'll give you some examples. This word, we see this word in scripture. Isaiah 40, let's put that on the screen. Isaiah, uh, not Isaiah 40, Psalms 40, verse three. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of tehillah to our God. A new song in my mouth. Let's go to the next one in Psalms 22. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the Tehillah of Israel. So when we hear, when we read the scripture, Tehillah, that that moment whenever when where the people of Israel shouted up because they got delivered, that was the moment where Tehillah. I'm not saying that God doesn't doesn't inhabit other praises, but I am saying specifically that the Word says He inhabits those praises. The, word, the praises of Tehillah, the praise of, oh, thank you, Jesus, and we thank you. And in that spontaneous moment, that is where we get the opportunity to engage the second that Jesus and his spirit inhabits that praise. And I, I want to help, help some of you out because I, I feel like they're just kind of engaging the crowd. There might be a little like, okay, how do we apply this here? Um, how many times have we ever woken up and we woke up like, and there was something important the next day, work, school, whatever it may be, and we wake up five minutes before, and at the, before, the, like, before the five minutes of your alarm, and you wake up, and it's a little too quiet. And you're like, oh, I feel like I got a little bit too much, and you freak out, because like, oh, snap, I'm late, I gotta get ready, this and that, and then you check your phone, and you still got five minutes, and you're like, oh, thank God. Tequila. Thank God. Tequila. that's why you didn't plan that, you didn't plan you didn't plan the night before, like, okay, I'm going to wake up five minutes before, and then I'm going to freak out, and then I'm going to, you know, it, it was something, something so spontaneous that came from the heart of, oh, thank God. And that's just a very small example, but it can happen in so many other things. Upon hearing about the breakthrough of someone's life, about hearing the, the healing of someone that you know, or your own healing, or your own practice, what do we say? Oh, thank God. God is good. And then we lift up this spontaneous moment of praise, and that is the praise that the word says he inhabits. Inhabits that praise. 
This is why it's so important to whenever we get into moments like that, and corporately, and it happens, of course, like I just mentioned, it happens in, in, in individualized, but in corporate uh, in setting of worship, it's so important to engage in those moments. I'll say this, don't, don't be a spectator in worship. Be a participant in worship. Tehillah. There is something so beautiful when the Lord invades and he sweeps in and he makes a mighty move. Because when he does that, things begin to heal. Broken things are mended. Breakthrough happens. Holy Spirit moves and, he, and when he moves, it's evident. I want us to continue on. Let's go to the next one. Worship is a sacrifice. Worship is a sacrifice. So for some of us, this sacrifice can mean a sacrifice of raising your hands. Maybe it's a sacrifice of clapping your hands, and we see this throughout Scripture as well. I'll give you, I'll give you some um, Psalms 47.1. It says, clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Next one, Psalms 28 verse two says, hear my voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Psalm 63 verse seven says, verse four, sorry, says, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift my hands. See, the, the Hebrew word, and I mentioned it earlier, yada, uh, it, it's been studied to mean to cast or to throw down, and several times it means, to, it means motion uh, or action. And the word yada comes from the Greek, uh, not the Greek, sorry, the Hebrew root word yad. Um, and this, this word means hand. And so what we gather from, from the study of this word is this word is implying to respond to the Lord with your hands, with casting of hands, with raising your hands, or motion of hands. And for, for some of you, this may, be, this may be something that's out of your comfort zone sometimes. Um, I know definitely, definitely was for me, but it's, it's something that, that is, is encouraged and commanded throughout Scripture, raising your hands. It's one of the ways that it's, it's described in, in, in the Hebrew text. We see this verse, uh, we see this word used in, 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 in Scripture, such as Psalms 9, uh, verse 1 says, I will give thanks or praise, yada, to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. And worship team, you can go ahead and come up. I'm not here, I'm not here to force anyone to raise your hands. I'm not saying that it's, it's invalid. But I want to say this, is that worship comes with a cost. Yes. Worship comes with a cost. And whether that's out of the cost of your comfort zone, maybe it's the cost is coming on a service when you feel super tired, and that's a, valid, that's a valid reason. Coming into after, especially after a long week, I, I pray that we have more people with heaviness coming into church. I pray we have more people that are going through some real things that enter this church. It doesn't even have to be this church. It can be any church, but as long as people, I, I, I have a heart to, to see people that are broken, that need healing, that need, that need help to enter into church services and get to experience the healing power of God. Healing, breakthrough. Worship comes with, comes with that cost. Like I said, of coming in broken, of coming in when you don't feel like it. So I would ask you this. I'm, like I said, I'm not, I'm not forcing anybody, but I will say this, I wanna say be mindful. Is your worship costing you something? It's when you enter, and, and I'm not just talking about this, I'm not talking about uh, in, a, in a corporate setting or worship night. 
Um, it could also mean giving to someone in need. It can mean lending a place to stay. Those are worship. Lending a place for someone to stay at the night, that's worship to God. Do all things unto the Lord for his glory. Maybe it's just listening to somebody. It costs time. And it's, if, do it unto the Lord. Maybe, it, maybe it's, it's, it's speaking life into somebody. Maybe, maybe it's allowing someone to take a place that you wanted and you allowed them to, 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 to take that place. Maybe it was a position, maybe it was an opportunity and you gave it to someone else because you were you, you, onto the Lord. Maybe it's that. Any example where you can do it onto the Lord and it costs you something, I would tell you that is worship. That is worship to the Father. So I would say, is lifting your hands a cost to you? Is dancing or jumping a cost to you? Maybe it's singing or, or, or clapping your hands when you don't feel like it. Is it a cost to you? I want us to, I want us to move here to Mark. If you would turn with me to Mark. Mark chapter 14. I want to I want to move on to the cost. What does it cost? Mark chapter fourteen. We're going to start at verse uh, three. And it, and the word says, and while he was at Bethany, in the house of Simon the leper, this is Jesus. As he was reclining at the table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of anointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. Verse 4 says, There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the anointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. Verse 6 says, But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And I truly say to you, whatever, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Wow. And we don't know, we don't know exactly where she got this jar, how long she's been sorting it up, but we do know that it was whatever was in it was worth 300 denarii. And if you don't know in that time, a denarii was a whole day's worth of living wages. A whole day, a whole day of working. And what the disciples say in this time is that it was worth 300 of that. It was valuable, super valuable, costly. And we don't know where she got it. Maybe it was passed down from generation to generation. Maybe she was saving it for uh, a time where she would need to pay for something, maybe to help uh, raise her family or kids. Maybe it was, it was to provide later in the future. We don't know exactly where she got this jar. But she walks in because she saw the value in Jesus and saw that it was more valuable than her jar. And she breaks it and pours it onto him. Onto Jesus And that's what Jesus says will be remembered. 
throughout history. And we, of course, we, we do remember it. We read it. But it was that cost. If it was any old, if she got the, the second best thing, we don't know what would have happened. But I do know that it must have been her best thing. It must have been her best sacrifice that she could give. And Jesus recognized that. And I know there, there's, there's, there's probably some people in here that you've, you've collected your own jars. Maybe things are valuable to you. Um, maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your energy. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's this position here. Maybe it's this and that. Maybe it's your own uh, need to be in control. Whatever it is. And we've kept this to ourselves because we're so used to carrying it. And we have this jar. And, and instead of giving it to somebody, we hold on to it. And we don't use that opportunity to give it to Jesus. And we don't see that as worship. That's the key thing I want us to focus on is that we don't see that as worship, giving those things to Jesus as worship. Giving your burden and your heaviness to Jesus, you know, it's a gift to him. It's the one person we can give that gift to. And it's worship. giving your heart to Jesus' worship. Why do you think angels celebrate in heaven when someone gives their life worship? It's on to Jesus. I believe there's some people, some people here who've, uh, maybe, maybe it's not something necessarily that other people would find valuable, but maybe it's things that you hold value simply because you've hold, held on to it for so long and you, it's just something you don't want to give to Jesus. Pain in the jar. Maybe it's confusion, of the, uh, confusion or fear of the future and you put that in your jar and you held on to it. Maybe it's the loss of a family member into the jar. Maybe it's sickness and the, the burden of that into the jar. Restless nights into the jar. I can't tell anyone about this. This addiction into the jar. Can't tell anyone about this. We hold on to it because we've held on to it for so long. And it's, maybe we don't see it as valuable, but it's valuable just because we've held on to it for so long. Maybe it's regrets into the jar. I should have done that, I should have said this, into the jar. And we fill this up with no one that we perceive to be able to give it to. And it be, it's heavy. And I want to say it's not just heavy because of the weight of it. Sometimes it's heavy because you've been holding on to it for so long. See, if I, if I hold this, this laptop up, it's not heavy at all. But if I hold on to it for five minutes, I start to get a little tired. The next hour, I'm down here. Can't hold this up anymore. I won't be, I won't be carrying this in a, in a, in a day or two days or a week it's too heavy after that not because this is heavy and I'm not saying that no one anything that people are carrying isn't heavy but I'm saying that it will get heavier over time and it's 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 a beautiful what a beautiful opportunity it is to carry that jar and to worship God and saying God here it is kneeling before him God all I have is this jar all I have is this regret. I have nothing else to give you. This burden, 
this tiredness, maybe it's just tired, maybe you've just been so tired, emotionally, mentally, physically, and you've been storing it up and you have this jar. God, all I have is this brokenness. And I would encourage you, break it before the Lord. And I'm not saying that's what this woman had in her jar, but I know it costed her something. And I know it would cost you something to bring it all to the Lord. I would encourage you, that's worship. Whatever it is, give it to the Lord. Bring in everything that you have, anything that you have for him, onto him, give it to him. We get to do that. We get to do that. And as, as the worship team uh, sings a song, of course, we have, we have communion and prayer in the back, but I also want to encourage you to not let this just be any old altar call. I don't want to label it that. I want us to see this as an invitation to give something to God, to engage and respond to him, to give a sacrifice of praise to him. And I'm not going to ask you to stand or anything or move, but I, I will say if that, if that cost looks like getting out in the aisles, do that. If it looks like standing up and raising your hands or singing out, do that. As we sing this next song, give something to the Lord today. That jar, whatever it is that's been holding you, that you've been holding onto, just give it to him. Whatever it is, we just want to move his heart. The heart of worship. Heart posture. response and a sacrifice and all of it will flow from a heart posture thank you for listening we love bringing you the word on so many different platforms we are so thankful for what God is doing in and through us we'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out and don't forget to share this message if it has blessed you